This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Love Star. Of the star. The star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan of Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan of Dallas, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central. You can check that out on the Odyssey app. Uh, and you can also hear Brian on the pre- and post-game show for the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, which is where he is at tonight. He is still at the stadium. I left, so I'm back home now, and we're getting ready to set up. Uh, but we're recording this on Sunday night after what can only be described as a glorious night for Cowboys fans. The Cowboys get the victory 20-17. to And before we dive into anything else specifically about the game, I, I want to spike the football a little bit, Brian. I feel like I... I gave good confidence to Brett Maher, and he's proved me right now with three 50-yard field goals and the game winner. Brett Maher, I think we should feel good about that man. You know what? You should absolutely feel good about Brett Maher. And you know what? Bones Fossil and and the coaching staff and the scouting staff, you, you know, that was a very, very difficult time, Bobby, when we were all doing that at uh, in Oxnard, when we were watching – you know, with Garibay, even post-draft, when they signed Garibay from Texas Tech, we were all like, oh, well, hey, this guy, they, you know, he's better than Dicker the Kicker at Texas, and he's better than this guy and that guy. And, you know, and I just was kind of – I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, they went out and they evaluated this guy. And all, all everybody that covered Big 12 football was like, no, no, this guy can really, really kick. So there was a lot of things, a lot of, of – a lot of good feeling going forward about the Cowboys kicking situation, you know, and then with, you know, with Hiralahu as well, uh, you know, in that competition and I give them credit, I give them absolute credit because they could have just let this thing go. Okay. We're going to hire Lahu's the kicker and we're not going to worry about it or, or we're going to make Garibay work. No, they said, Hey, we honestly have to evaluate this position. Yep. And we have to go get a guy that we think has a big leg that can make field goals. And it looks like, you know, to this point, through two weeks of the season, they've selected the right guy. Yes, they did. You know, who says you can't go home? You know, uh, Brett Maher working out so far. Cowboys win this one over the Bengals 20-17 to 17 a game. I thought they'd lose, honestly, by like three touchdowns. Uh, the, the defense... Man, we're, we're going to get into specifics next segment about the offense a little bit later. We'll get into the defense, but just kind of a general overview about this team and, and how this game played out, Brian. Uh, I, I think some of the big headlines for me are you did what you needed to do in terms of you pressured Joe Burrow. He could not breathe all night. I felt like there was some exha- exhaustion set in in the second half a little bit for the pass rush. They were out there a lot. Cincinnati controlled the ball for 35 minutes. I felt like they were getting a little exhausted near the end. They weren't generating the same pressure they were in the first half. 
But good job generating pressure. Good job protecting Cooper Rush on the other side. Uh, they allowed just one sack in the game. And I think overall, Tyler Smith did well. Thought it was a good bounce back week for Terrence Steele. Um, and, you know, they one of the things we talked about was Cincinnati knew you were going to want to run the football, so you needed to make them pay. And I think early on, that's what they did. They made them pay in some of those favorable looks. And as the game went on, Cincinnati had to, to you know, play that a little bit. They, they had to start taking things away and softening up some of the run looks. But overall, a, a really gutsy victory for the entire team. No, absolutely. I think everything you nailed on, Bobby, is absolutely right. I The moment of the game for me happened in the very first series, the very first offensive series for the Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy, with his quarterback, his offense – deciding to go for a fourth and two on his own 44-yard line. I mean, there was there was no hesitation. And I remember sitting in the press box going, is he going to try and draw him off sides? What's he doing here? Is he, yeah. he going to try and make him burn a timeout? And what happened was it was interesting because if you watch, and I remember this very vividly, when they stayed on the field, like it's the – the Cincinnati's punt return unit was on, and then they had to run off, and defense had to run back on. Yeah, and I was thinking uh, McCarthy's being cute; he's going to try and make them burn a timeout here, or he's going to try and catch him with twelve men on the field and pick it up that way. But no, he runs a play. They call it. They block it up. Noah Brown runs a in cut there, seventeen yard pass. Great throw. Great catch. Great protection. And now, now they're cooking. And all of a sudden, the confidence meter from from uh, for his offense went from like low level to like boom. Like he he just I mean he hit is he hit it on one hundred. If that's what you know, if I'm doing that the right <laughs> way for the yeah, yeah, guy, sure. But yeah, he that thing hit a hundred, and all of a sudden it's like oh, this is how we're going to play football today. So Mike McCarthy. Tip of the cap to you. I'm super critical of you a lot of the time, but you did you did the right thing. You knew what your team needed, and you got the result you needed for it. So congratulations on that. Am I am I overthinking it, Brian? Am I reading too much into it? When when one of the themes we heard in the Cowboys locker room this week was it's just week one. Like there's 16 yeah. weeks left. Yada yada yada. Stephen Jones told us to relax. Yeah, he gave he you the old Aaron Rodgers. Relax. Yeah. relax. Yeah. But. Yeah. Doesn't it say that that fourth and two opening drive on your own side of the field, they knew how important it was that that they need to right this ship early. I, I don't think you're making that I don't, I don't think you're making that call if you think everything's all right as rain and yeah, we'll just kick it and we trust our defense. That felt like they understand there needed to be a statement made here. And I'm glad they made it, but I think that that betrays some of their rhetoric about how they've talked about where their team is at. I think they knew they needed that. And you mentioned it, it was the kick in the pants they needed that, you know, you had the incompletion to CeeDee Lamb on third down, which was disappointing, but then you hit Noah Brown for 17 on fourth down. Then yeah. it's Dalton Schultz for nine, Zeke for seven and a first down, Tony Pollard for five yards, CeeDee yeah. Lamb on the end around for six. Devontae Turpin for three, and then it's the touchdown pass to Noah Brown, who made a fantastic catch in the end zone. Noah Brown was fantastic tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit more specifically in the next uh, segment, but it was when, when they got out there and they scored, There, there's something about the way this team is and the way this defense is that 
just getting the opening touchdown seems to do so much for your confidence in this team to win a football game. If you're able to score on that first drive, I know my confidence in their ability to compete and win this game went way up when they just scored one touchdown out of the gate. It's like, that's enough of a head start for this defense right now that I think you can feel confident that you're in a good spot for the next few drives. No, I, you're, you're right about that. I mean, it, it clearly – I mean, you rattled off the plays after that. And it was, it was like offensive rhythm. And it's offensive rhythm that carried over the next time they got the football. You know, and I think, I think it really, really helped the defense as well. Knowing that they go out there opening drive against Joe Burrow, they've got a seven nothing lead. Yeah, you know, I think that really, really, it just it 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 energized. I think it energized. I think the fan base after it was shock, and then it was awe, and then it was here we go. And I just I just felt like I'm like McCarthy is not dicking around today. No, he is going to find a way to win this game. He's he's going against one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, one of the best young wide receivers or tandem of wide receivers or I mean Trio. That, that group that they have over there. Yeah. You you couldn't play conservatively in this game and win today. Now they tried in the second half. They they had that first the second or third, you know, second first second third series of the second half yeah. where all of a sudden it was a little bit of oh, I don't know here Jim. I, I don't know. I was doing my Tony Romo. Oh, I don't know, Jim. But that's, you know, that's that's where I, I think that you know, they were able to rally a little bit. After that 19 play drive, man, I'm sitting there thinking I wasn't thinking good thoughts. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not thinking good thoughts at all. But for them to get that stop, that final stop, after, you know, Brian Anger's punt, I thought it was beautifully placed. Then you get a special return, special teams return coming back the other way. So things kind of got back on track uh, for this team after a really, really difficult second half. Yeah, and you mentioned that they did try to play it a little bit more conservatively. Joe Mixon, five carries, five yards in the first half. Yeah, it was really three yards a carry. Really Joe Mixon averaged three yards a carry. Run defense, think, run defense, run defense was great. Run defense was outstanding. But, yes. but they did start to chip away a little bit in that second half. Joe Mixon touches the ball 15 times in the second half. He was getting a big workload, and you saw it was it was starting to wear things down, and they were converting those third downs. They had that one drive where they converted three third down opportunities. That was the one where they scored the touchdown and then get the two-point conversion to tie it up. And I don't know about you, Brian, but when they scored and got that two-point conversion, I felt like, here we go again. A team decides, let's punch these Cowboys in the mouth, and they're not going to be able to respond. And I felt like after that touchdown and that two-point conversion, I was like, this is the Bengals game. The Bengals are winning this game. And Dallas showed a resilience in a game that, honestly, I don't know that we've seen in three years of Mike McCarthy being here. The, the Mike McCarthy era, if we're just being totally blunt, has had three or, or two and then week one has had a, a track record of soft football teams. They're not they're not tough, really. They're, they're, they're not physical. Um, this was one of the more physical games I think they've won in the last several years. Although this was a, this was old school in the way that uh, that they were able to pull it off, and I, I you know I still say that Mixon, yeah, he chipping away, chipping away, but man, it, it looks so much cleaner playing run defense tonight than it did Absolutely. last week when 
linebackers blocked, edge is blocked, end is blocked. I mean, everybody's blocked. I mean, it, it just it seemed like there were more white shirts, and they tried to run the counters with a get blockers out in space. Van Der Esch stretching the thing, knocking them out. Wilson knocking things down. You know, Armstrong guys getting in position. Last week they, this week they get in position to make the plays. Last week it wasn't so good. Yeah. Last week it wasn't so good. So, yeah, I just think that, yeah, that, that you're you're right about the toughness aspect. But I'm going to give these guys some credit for playing some damn good run defense. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I think that overall, um, you got to come out happy with the performance. And like I said, it, it's just it's more. It, it's funny to me when when Dallas came out in this game in in the first half, you could tell there was a commitment to let's get the run established early on. And I just felt like we saw that from Cincinnati right out of the gate. It's mixing for 10, mixing for six. There's a screen pass to Mixon. The very next drive where they get the ball, it's Mixon for five, Mixon for five, Mixon for four, Mixon for two. They clearly wanted to try and wear them down. They felt like we don't care if we're getting two to three yards a carry. We just think that if we physically wear you down, you guys have a history well, of crumbling. And that's what I think is nice is that did they, they pass protect? No. This team, this team they, had to, they had to try and run the ball because every time they went back to pass, right. the quarterback was wearing somebody with a white jersey. Yeah, you no, know, they no. had to try and do something because other than that one 19 play drive, really, what did they do all night? Yeah, really, I mean, nothing. No, that, I mean that, they, they chipped away, and honestly, they were the they were the benefactor of some, you know, tough moments. Like you get the uh, the scramble from Burrow, and then the call on Donovan Wilson for the you know unnecessary roughness, and yeah. and you know they they benefited from a couple different areas. This game could have been put out of uh, out of reach if Dalton Schultz doesn't fumble. No um, question. Cl- closing in on the red zone, trying to make something happen. I'll, I'll ask this. Maybe it's not a big deal. Do you think Dalton Schultz, like, he's got the first down. Should he have just been happy with the profit? Or, like, do you think that little Man. tap dancing he was doing was a little much? How many times have we seen Dalton Schultz, like, run, bounce off somebody, bounce off somebody else, get spun around, get hit in the back, fumble the ball? You know I mean? He's trying. I mean, he's honestly trying to make and get more yards. But in that situation, sure, take the ball, get the first down, and get down. You know, if, if just live to fight another day. But you know, he's trying to make a play. He, you know, he he gets he gets walloped a lot. You know, yeah. and, and, and when you watch him play, so um, yeah, I mean, it's that's that's kind of nitpicky on us to say that, but. I, I'm like, you get that, you kick that field goal, or you drive that thing in and get a touchdown. This Game thing over. is church. This yeah. thing is church. It, it's over at that point. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, before Brian and I talk to you about this offense, you know, it was a great game. We were we were all excited on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and there's only one way to celebrate, and that's by going to Boomer Jacks. You can cool off with cool drink specials and affordable eats. I, I know I was burning up at the stadium yesterday, I, I, partly because I was wearing a, a hoodie. That probably wasn't the best choice in 90-degree weather. But, man, I, I was th- it was all I could do to, to stop thinking about Boomer Jacks and the cold drinks there. You, it's a great space with something for the whole family or your group of friends. Whatever type of atmosphere you're looking for, Boomer Jacks provides that. And you can come in. You can cool off with drink specials starting at $3. They've got awesome food, awesome appetizers. There's wall-to-wall TVs, live music, and more Everybody's going to be happy. Whether you're looking for a great, you know, happy hour with your coworkers, a good spot to watch some of the games with your buddies, or you're just looking for a nice family night out, Boomer Jacks is the spot. It fits anything that you need. 17 DFW locations, so you know there's one around you, and you can find your location by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's talk about specifics now. I mean, we, we kind of did an overview of the game as itself and some of the key moments, but let's look at specifics relating to offense and defense let's do this segment we'll, we'll start off with the offense first uh we we did not talk nearly enough about him in, in some of the key moments of the game but uh what a performance from Cooper Rush especially early I, I think in the second half Cincinnati adjusted they took away some stuff from him but ultimately you know makes them pay early makes Cincinnati have to respect the passing game and then also on that final drive when they get into field goal position you know made the plays when he needed to um so Cooper Rush this is two years in a row now that he's really stepped up in a big way for them. Yeah, how about that? Cooper Rush, 2-0 and as an NFL starter. Both of them come back victories. Uh, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. In the post game. They're, they're talking to him, and Clarence Hill's like, are you happy? Are you? Because I mean, he's so – I mean, he was yeah, just so focused on just finding – you know, it's just like – you know, we made some good plays. I was really happy about the way, you know, Noah did a great job of, you know, and he's just kind of monotone talking about it and everybody's kind of laughing. Yep. You know, and you're thinking, man, you need to be excited about this, but that's that's Cooper Rush. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with today and going into this game, his coaches and teammates had confidence in him. In a big way. The rest of us didn't. Yeah. The rest of us are like, and, you know, I, I'm, hey, let's be honest. You know, uh, you get in a situation where your backup quarterback, and I know Babe Laughlinberg doesn't like me to say the backup quarterback, but the quarterback that doesn't normally start is, <laughs> you know, is, uh, uh, is playing today. And so you're trying to think, and after how poorly they looked last week on offense with Dak Prescott in the game with receivers and, running and all, you know, the, the line and all the questions that you had, well, here you go. This, you know, like you're expecting him to come in here and do great things. He, he played as well as you can imagine. Uh, you know, he, he, he gave them, 
he was one of the main reasons why they won this football game because he didn't make mistakes. He didn't turn over the ball. He didn't try and do too much. He managed everything successfully. When they had a chance to make big plays, he delivered on some big plays. You know, that final drive, they needed, you know, they needed 20 yards. What did he do? He found a way. They burned a timeout along the way. And all of a sudden, you know, the ball's to the sidelines. They got a rally, spike it. There's all kinds of disastrous things that could have happened in the last, you know, 25 seconds of that game. But he was able to kind of pull it all together, get him in field goal range. The, the great thing about it was if it's a miss, it's overtime. If it's a make, we're all going home happy. And, and he got just enough to, uh, to get Brett Maher to get that thing home. And I thought he played a, a super ball game tonight. Boy, and just as much as I, we opened the show up with confidence of Brett Maher, just hooked that into – I honestly thought watching it live, I was, I was watching the in-house feed, I thought he missed it. I thought yeah. it hooked. But uh, yeah. ju- just right, and, and you saw everybody else reacting positively, so I felt good about it. A uh, lot of positive things to say about Cooper Rush. I don't think you can say enough good things about Noah Brown. Holy yeah. cow, five catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. And let's just look, Brian, over the course of the game, some of these catches that he had. You're talking about fourth and two for 17 yards. Big conversion there. The second and seven from the Cincinnati nine. He, he scores that nine-yard touchdown pass. A fantastic reception. Third and 10, 28-yard pickup, keeps the drive alive. Third and four, 25-yard pickup, keeps the drive alive. Another, you've got him uh, on the, the final drive there, that, that one with 51 the tip, left. The tip ball. Yeah, 12-yard yeah. reception. Yeah. Every single play Noah Brown made today was huge. It wasn't just five for 91. It was five catches that I don't know if you win the game without any one of them. Yeah, five for five on huge plays. That's what you want to say right there. Five targets, five catches. All five of them were huge, huge plays for Noah Brown. And, you know, this is one of those things, Bobby, when we were at Oxnard and we were watching Noah Brown and Simi Fajoko and guys like that, you know, they were they were they were having positive practices. Yeah. They were having, you know, good it wasn't just like they they were super consistent. It wasn't up and down and up and down and you know, it's like one day they're really good, two days they're bad, one day they're good again. No, Noah Brown did a did a great job of being super consistent tonight. And like I was talking about in the post game show, you know, Noah Brown not only does he go five for five on big catches, Noah Brown's your personal protector on the punt team. You know, Noah Brown is doing other things to help you win football games. So, you know, I I just – I'm glad for him. I hope this is something that he can build on. I'm hoping that next week if they get Michael Gallup back, it's it's Lamb, it's Brown, it's Gallup, those guys all making plays. That's that's what my hope is for next week. I, I this will stun you. I know we're just two games into the season, and so you're projecting out a lot. It's like you know trying to project out Micah Parsons for you know 34 sacks this year because he has two in each game. But through two games, Noah Brown's 17 game projection, Brian, is 85 receptions and 1350 yards. Not bad. A guy, maybe he's your Cedric Wilson. He maybe he's this guy that steps up well, and has a career. And, and and he said at his locker, I, I want to point it out yeah. real quick. He said at his locker, talked about I've been in Dallas for a long time and and waited my turn and talked about how this organization 
has has shown a, a lot of belief in me, and and I wanted to pay that back and and pay that back in this opportunity. And he absolutely has in a big way. How much Cooper Rush getting here in 2017? He obviously missed a year, but that's the same year. Noah Brown got here. How much do you think just their time probably taking reps together on the same offense just over the course of five years is why it seems like Cooper Rush had had a lot of trust and a lot of faith in Noah Brown? How many scout team reps you think those two took together? A lot. (laughs) Running other teams' routes and here, man, throw me the back shoulder fade down here to emulate Terry McLaurin or here, throw this, you know, over here for, you know, yeah, it's Cooper Rush, every rep he takes in practice is not a rep getting ready for the offense. This week, he got the most work he's ever going to get getting ready for a game. I'm sure yeah. the Minnesota game last year, same thing. Well, Minnesota even, remember? a lot of work. Even Minnesota. there's Noah Brown. Yeah, even Minnesota. Know? They didn't rule out Dak until game time. So I he know. wasn't getting all the work. This is, So this yeah. was the first time where it's like, you're the guy – and and really stood out, played well. What did you think about how CeeDee Lamb played tonight? Seven catches, 75 yards. I thought he finished the game a lot stronger. The first half was a little yeah. shaky, um, but I thought he finished the game really well. There is a uh, there's a lot going on in CeeDee Lamb, and he is, uh, you know, he's now got the target on him. He's the guy that's now the, the number one wide receiver. He's going to draw coverage. He's going to draw attention. I felt like they tried to get him going early with some of the screens and some of the passes that they threw to him. But I, I was I, I'm okay. If again, CeeDee Lamb, eleven targets, the same number of targets as last week. Instead of getting two catches, he got seven catches. Yeah. That's and a big if, catch. Yeah, late. Big if CeeDee Lamb's gonna get eleven targets, give me seven, eight, or nine catches. Please. Just give me seven, eight, or nine off eleven targets, and I'll be super happy with how they're using CD Lamb. By the way, I want to point out that uh, on the last Love of the Star podcast when we went to the listener mailbag, you remember one of our listeners set the over-under for receptions for CD at seven. And so yeah. we, and so, nailed that one. Our listeners are yeah. good. They should be working they for Vegas. They're very good. Very good. So uh, that, that's the takeaway on CD Lamb. I did think it was interesting when he had that one catch and it kind of got rolled up and his, yeah. knee, his knee or his ankle was clearly bothering him. Hanson Yang the assistant athletic trainer. He was over there taping him up on the sideline right after that. Looked in a lot of pain. Tyler Biotish call, started calling the trainers over after he got up, and he, like, pushed Tyler Biotish's hand down, gave a thumbs up, and started, like, waving them off, like, get yeah. the hell off of the field. I yeah. did like seeing CeeDee Lamb clearly is exhibiting toughness and wants to make sure he's out there for his team. They, you know what? He's He's wide receiver one. He's got, I mean, he, they, they, he's got to go out there and play, you know? I mean, you know, the, the whole thing with Houston and guys like that, I mean, we're going to get to a point in time where we'll see. Maybe Tolbert can step up in one of these practices. Maybe all of a sudden it's, it's Tolbert's involved and, and then you've got him going the right direction and he's part of the five that's getting work yep. along with Turpin and those guys. And, you know, but – they they need they need more guys like the Noah Browns that they're stepping up and the CD Lamb said see he's wide receiver one he has to step up the others the Noah Browns the Turpins guys like that you know they they they're going to need those guys to play well offensive line I know offensive line is always one that you get a better look at when you get a chance to watch the film like like tomorrow morning yeah Monday morning that's somewhere where our opinions will probably evolve more than any other position on offense when you watch it back is looking at how they played but 
Uh, just kind of your first, your initial takeaways from the offensive line, what you saw from up in the press box. Like I said, I thought Tyler Smith played great. I thought Terrence Steele had a really nice bounce back week. Matt Farniak, I thought, held his own okay. There were a couple times where he got beat. I thought the guy who Hendrickson the, got him that one time, he right? Did, Didn't he Hendrickson did. go at three technique and got him on a move? So, yeah. so that he, yeah, he got him once, and and he and Cooper Rush was like that got a blasted. twist or was that Hendrickson so at three? Th- that that was Hendrickson at three on on okay. one where he didn't get a sack, but he rocked Cooper Rush and Cooper Rush had yeah. to throw it away quick. The only sack they got tonight came on a twist with Hendrick or with Hubbard. Hubbard, Hubbard came on a twist, and Biotish was late getting over there to, to to pick it up. So the only guy I thought struggled tonight, and it wasn't even consistent. I thought there were a couple times where I noticed Tyler Biotish doing good things, but the guy I noticed the most having struggles tonight was Tyler Biotish. I don't know how you saw it. Yeah, I, I that's the great thing about getting to watch the film in the morning and kind of take care of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought overall, man, I, I'm always worried about Cooper Rush holding the ball. Because there were times in the preseason where, you know, hold and hold and hold. And, you know, you know, I thought he was very decisive throwing the ball. But I think he understood that, you know, the games and the practices and the stuff he got during training camp, he, he has to be quicker. Somebody was telling him, hey, Cooper, you have to throw the ball quicker. This is – you can't hold it. And I thought he did a really nice job of that. But I thought the line did a nice job of giving him the opportunity to see where he needed to throw the ball and gives the receivers the opportunity to get the route, you know, get into the route tree and then make that throw where he needs to be. So uh, I'm sure there's, you know, when you're grading 70, 75 plays or whatever it's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be those ones where you're like, oh, that was a minus. Oh, that was bad. Oh, they got lucky there. But I think for the most part, for for the, the for the Bengals not to only, but only have one sack and it not come from Hendrickson, I think would have to be a win. It's like Jamar Chase catching five balls for fifty yards. Yeah, that's a win on defense. Hendrickson not having a sack, that's a win for the Cowboy offensive line. Absolutely. And one more thing I want to point out since we're talking about the offensive line before we transition over to defense, and I know we we talked about the turnover Dalton Schultz had, and, and Dalton Schultz has had a little bit of a slow start to the season as a pass catcher. I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna say it with my chest, Brian. I don't believe after two games, I, I think I, I don't believe Dalton Schultz is a liability blocking right now. Dalton no, Schultz has looked so really either. good. Dalton him, Schultz had a nice block on the Pollard. Ferguson Ferguson, I think on the long run. I have to watch it, but Ferguson got into like a scuffle, and it might have been the t- it might have been after the long run. It was that, the touchdown, uh, the I think. Pass, yeah, whatever yeah. they called it. It was it was a pass, but it was a run in spirit. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the one yard run, Ferguson came off the ball and like punished his guy and got in kind of a scuffling thing where the officials had to jump in, and he goes to the sidelines and like Mike McCarthy's like grabbing him like. Bro, take it easy out there. You know, let's, let's <laughs> he plays with some aggression. Because kind of, I was watching him. I mean, yeah. he had a really, really good block. But you're right about these tight ends. Schultz and Ferguson, I think they're doing a lot better job of with the, the run blocking stuff, at least through the first two weeks of the season. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Were you stressing in the final two minutes of that game on Sunday? I think everybody was. 
you know, caused all of our blood pressure to rise a little bit. You need a stress-free night out this week, and you can get that by going to Boomer Jacks. Get your blood pressure back to normal a little bit, you know? Enjoy a stress-free night out with wallet-friendly drinks and eats. The spot is Boomer Jacks. There's live music, all the games you could want to watch, and more. There's something for the whole gang, whether it's you and your, your buddies wanting to go out and get some drinks in the evening, or if it's, you know, a happy hour with coworkers, or, you know, maybe you just want to go by yourself. You're, you're just wanting to go hang out, find somewhere, watch a game in some solitude, have a couple drinks. You can find that at Boomer Jacks. It's also a great spot for the family. Me and my family love to go there, get the appetizers, get the food, get the drinks. It's a wonderful spot. You deserve to be happy, and Boomer Jacks can provide you that happiness. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, and more. Everybody will be happy when they're at Boomer Jacks. There's 17 DFW locations, so there's one near you. Wherever you're at in the Metroplex, there is a Boomer Jacks near you. You can find yours at BoomerJacks.com. That's BoomerJacks.com. All right, Brian, that kind of gives us a good overview of what the offense did. Uh, I, I think what's more impressive, obviously, is what this defense did. We're talking about two weeks in a row allowing fewer than 20 points, two weeks in a row where you give up just a single touchdown to two pretty explosive offenses with, with really good weapons there. Uh, your, your biggest takeaway, so some of your overarching thoughts from the defensive performance tonight. Man, you're right. What Last week it was 211 yards or something like that for Tom Brady throwing the ball. Yep. Joe Burrow had 199 in this game, yep. and he was running for his life in this and I yeah, yeah I he, give, he had I 199 give, with the sacks their net passing yeah. yards were 165 there you go Woo. that's what I I mean I thought they did a great job of getting after Joe Burrow they they did not they're cowboy teams in the past and I remember being in a game here in AT&T where the New York Giants every one of their offensive linemen were gone they were all playing with like backup offensive linemen the whole line and you're thinking, oh, okay, these guys are going to take advantage. They're going to do it. They're going to get up the field. They're going to be sack fest. Eli Manning, and then Giants win the game. Yep. They block your front. You get no the stats, no stats, no nothing. This group knew that Joe Burrow, uh, as great as he is, his kryptonite right now is his offensive line. His offensive line is is a problem. And But what's so – funny is and then not if you're a Bengals fan this could have been the second week in a row that they had won a game with you know if you think about if they kick the extra point yeah uh, and you know they're going to give up seven sacks and win this game or this game they're going to give up all these sacks and win this game they could be two and oh and Joe Burrow just taking a beating and I don't know I don't know if at the end of it if Joe Burrow is going to be standing at the. I mean, he he took a ton of hits today, and it it affected him to the point where the ball was coming out, and it wasn't like Joe was flinching or anything like that because Joe will hang in there. Yeah, but you could tell he was throwing, and somebody was near him or on him, or Micah Parsons. Like I remember one time, ball is going to go to the outside uh, to chase on a third down. They blitz Micah Parsons off the edge in Burrow's face. Collins blocks down, much like we saw last week where Dak got sacked. But Collins blocks down, free run on Joe Burrow. He's throwing the ball to the outside, destroyed him, and like, but he's kind of, kind of, kind of cringing as he's throwing the ball. 
you know, he's kind of crumpled up. Yeah, he didn't get to step he through it. He thinks he's going to get hit, and Parsons hits him but kind of holds him up. And, you know, not to get the roughing call and all that. Doesn't spike him in the ground. But that ball went out so quick, and it wasn't even close to being accurate. So, yeah, I mean, that was – that right there, I mean, was – that that te- that tells you a lot about what happened, you know, in this, in this game as far as what the pressure was able to do. I, I think that when you look at the defense, just a couple guys for me that I think really stood out, maybe didn't get some of the same – I don't know. It's hard to. We're following along in the game. I don't know how much social media was talking about these guys, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of chatter about these guys. First off, I thought Anthony Brown was great tonight. There, there were several times where I saw him locked up on T. Higgins or other guys. Uh, made a great play in space tackling T. Higgins on a third down. That stood out to me. Uh, Anthony Barr w- was really good tonight. I thought he he was flashing a lot. Made a lot of plays. I thought Dante Fowler had a nice showing when when he was given opportunities. Um, and then for me, th- there was one play where Donovan Wilson missed Joe Mixon in the hole where it, what should have been third and seven ended up being a first down uh, because Mixon just kind of jumped over him. I don't know if you remember that play. He's like diving at his ankles. He, he got straight through the hole, should have been a loss, and Mixon goes over him. And that was the only time where I was like, that's where you missed J. Ron Curse. J. Ron Curse isn't missing that tackle. But other than that, Donovan Wilson was really, really good tonight, I thought. Yeah, he, he was. And, and when you start to talk about, man, they've got so many of these guys that are having to play in crucial roles. Yep. Whether it's the whether it's Tyler Smith, whether it's Cooper Rush, I mean, uh, Noah Brown, it, it, you know, Wilson. I mean, the one thing you know about Wilson is he will blow you up. And he's around the ball, uh, you know, the him. He likes Van to Resch, yeah, I mean they they are going to be around the ball, and I, I thought that I thought Wilson played really well. I tell you what, I thought I thought Anthony Barr because Anthony Barr I didn't think was any good at all last no. week, but he stepped up, looked like he played with better recognition, and looked like he played with better quickness. He didn't get hooked up on blocks like he did against the against the Buccaneers last Sunday night. He got off blocks, made some plays. Really, really good job on his part. Really unfortunate the play where Drew Sample, the tight end, got hurt. But that play by by Anthony Barr, recognizing that it was a screen, remaining patient, didn't take the bait, didn't, you know, get up field and run by it, was right there to just blow that play up. I thought there were a couple moments like that. He did get hit with the unnecessary roughness call. I don't know about you, Brian. I don't know what he's supposed to do there. He's He's got his momentum. He's going down to the ground as Burrow is is tripping up and going to the ground. I don't know how he's supposed to pull up and not hit him. Yeah, that's the difficult thing with these. The problem you really, really run into is these quarterbacks take off running. And then what happens is, you know, the referees are now behind 10 yards behind the play and trailing. And they're running. They're running behind and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to kind of navigate. And then they see the hit and they immediately think, oh, that's that's roughing. That's unnecessary you know that's that's a that's a unnecessary roughness penalty, you know. But they you know Brad Allen is like twelve yards behind the play, and he's trying to run to protect the quarterback, you know. And they got it now where these other officials can make the calls. But I, I will credit them for this though. Yeah, you had the roughing the the roughing uh, on the quarterbacks, but I do applaud the officials for picking up the flag 
on the uh, the ball that went down the middle of the field that could have been uh, whether you want to call unnecessary roughness again or targeting or whatever you wanted to call where Leighton Van Der Esch, they were able to jar the ball loose. That, that to me was like, I'm thinking, man, that is a football play. Yeah. That's just a football play. So, but Brad Allen's crew, they picked up that flag, said no, no penalty there. So I thought that, you know, they're going to protect these quarterbacks. They are not going to let them, when these guys give themselves up and they see the, they're going down and you hit them, they're going to throw that flag. One of the plays that uh, I thought was interesting stood out to me, third quarter, 454 remaining. Cowboys get that big stop on third and four. I, I don't know if you remember this. This is the one where, where Leighton Vander Esch gets the sack, where, where Burrow yeah. kind of bro- came up into the pocket. And while that goes on the stat sheet as that's a sack for Leighton Vander Esch on third and four, I think the assist goes to Micah Parsons. That's that one where he spun inside on Lyle Collins and – Joe Burrow had to break almost immediately. He he had to, you know, just bail on the pocket immediately and went right up into Leighton Vanders. The stat line says two sacks for Micah Parsons, five quarterback hits. Man, tonight was one of those nights where I felt like he could easily pick up five sacks. And, and, and even though he had two on the ledger, I don't think that does justice to how much he just wrecked this game. He, he knew... The thing I think that really helped him in this game is, and it's getting easier for him to like know who he's playing against. So now, you know, like he knew who Lyle Collins was as a blocker. Yeah. You know, when he was rushing, or he knew that the Jonah Williams gets beat to the inside, he knew that, or he could move around. See, that's that's the thing I think that makes Micah Parsons so great is the fact that he just doesn't play in one spot. You can move him all over that defense, and he can find whoever the weakest guy is. And the fact that he knew Lyle Collins and had worked against Lyle Collins and had worked with Lyle Collins a bunch, I think that really, really helped him with his pass rush. And you're right. He, he wrecked shop every – there were a couple of times where the ball went wide where Burrow tried to, and threw it. And I thought he was going to, like, two times he went up, and I thought, oh, he's going to tip one of these balls and catch it and then go in for a, uh, go in for a score. But, man, he just they, – they, they, they have totally figured out that he is one of the best weapons in the National Football League. And Dan Quinn is – you give them a lot of credit because you watch that Penn State tape, Bobby. Like, if you tell me that he was going to be this special – pass rusher that he is I owe you a steak dinner if you're going to tell me that one (laughs) how many and this is just a hypothetical question for you but if you're starting a team right now and you're you're picking your first defender how many guys are you taking over Parsons well they always say man if he was just an off-ball linebacker you wouldn't you wouldn't take him would you no probably not he does everything now he i mean run be real honest okay yeah what i saw at penn state i believe on my top 50 i think i had him at 12 of my top 50 yeah which which means i had others ahead of him i had 11 other guys ahead of him you know and so i'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking about Micah Parsons being a linebacker. Micah Parsons, Penn State, linebacker, 12th best player in the, in the, uh, on my board. You know? But 
I'm also thinking about Slater, the tackle from Northwestern. And I'm also thinking about Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri. Yep. I'm thinking about these other guys. And I got into discussion on Twitter during the game. I sometimes get, you know me, I get roped in. <laughs> you thought, you know, Slater, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I love Micah Parsons. I did. I had him as my 12th best player. You know, should he have probably been the first one? Sure. Now, if you know what you're doing now, you redraft, he's probably the first, he's probably taken number one. You know, I mean, I think there was a quarterback that was taken, but still, you know, you get my point. Yeah. You know, it's it's like I was thinking about helping this offense with Slater at tackle, play him at guard, play him at tackle, you know, and then boom, you're ready to go. Well, it appears you've got that kind of taken care of now with 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 Smith. I know we're two games in, but, you know, Slater, it, it's it's very much like the Tyron Smith, J.J. Watt thing to me, yeah. you know. Either one of them, either one of them, you take and you just you go. That's it. But I, I'm not I'm not shying away from, you know I'm not going to say oh I I you know yeah Parsons Bill you know this offensive line has had some issues and Slater would have addressed and helped those offensive sure. line issues. But Micah Parsons is one of the top five players in the National Football League. You know and. Maybe one day Slater will be the, one of the top tackles in this league. But, you know, if you're going to say, oh, well, hell, Broadus, you're wrong. You should have taken Micah Parsons. Show me all those those times where Micah Parsons rushed the passer as like an end or, as you know, playing that scheme. If you show me that in Penn State tape, you're a lot better scout than me. A lot better scout. Oh, well, Will, Will McClay told us during training camp, he's like, did we think he had some pass rush ability? Yeah. Did we know he could yeah. be that as a pass? That's no. all Dan Quinn. No, yeah, that's yeah. And Dan Will, Will Quinn, said we had no idea it was like that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, it's very similar to the time when I asked Charlie Army, the who was his real name. He was a GM with the Rams. And I said, hey, did you vote Rodney Harrison a playoff share uh, that year uh, you went to the Super Bowl? And he said, why would we vote Rodney Harrison a, sh- a playoff share? I said, because if he doesn't dive into the back of Trent Green's legs and blow him up, <laughs> you would have never known how good Kurt Warner was. Yeah. You know, that sometimes, you know, they sometimes you have that ability, like, you know, it, whether it's uh, Aiden Dirty or or somebody had a vision, uh, you know, George Edwards, somebody had a vision to say, maybe this guy could run. If Tank Lawrence doesn't hurt his foot, in practice in week two and Randy gets season? COVID. Yeah. Do you even think about putting Micah Parsons as a pass rusher? No. Hell no, you don't. You're just playing him, you know. Maybe you figure it out, but not to the level we've seen right now. Last uh last question here for you, because because you know, I think we referenced him a little bit at the beginning, but overall, uh I thought given the expectations and and the the chatter this week. Uh, about Jamar Chase versus Trayvon Diggs. I thought Trayvon Diggs was fantastic tonight. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, man, it's it's not easy dealing with Chase. I mean, that's Alabama and LSU going at it right there. That's Those are two, you know, uh, two very competitive guys when it, you know, the routes and the coverage and stuff like that. I, 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 I thought it was hilarious when we were interviewing Micah postgame and he's like, whoa, that's seven. That seven made the tackle over there. He, <laughs> he was, was like, stunned. he was surprised, yeah. you know. And But good for good for Diggs. I mean, 
that's the kind of stuff that when you talk about cornerbacks and how they play in the league, it's not always about covering, though. It's not always about knocking the ball down or getting a big interception to seal the game. That's the kind of things they talk about. You know, that's the thing. That's the nuts and bolts of, hey, you want to show? You want me to show you a game-saving play? Boom, right there. Micah Parsons, who uh, – not Micah Parsons, excuse me, Diggs, who, you know, for a time there really doesn't want to be involved, no. doesn't really want to do it. But you know what? He stepped up in a big way and got his team, his defense off the field and helped his team win a football game. That does it for us here at the Love of the Star. Uh, Brian Broaddus will have an early Monday morning. When you're listening to this podcast, Brian is probably watching tape. Uh, it'll be I a, promise you I am. I am. <laughs> you've got a, a matchup against the 2-0 and Giants next Monday on Monday Night Football. That should be an intriguing matchup. We'll bring you all the previews from that. Uh, but we'll talk to you guys again here on Wednesday.